Um, talking to Alexander Bongars today, um, he's Scottish, living in Prague. He's a Green Beret, Commando, Royal Commando, and has spent over 25 years in uh, military and uh, private contracting. Um, in war zones, he's been to Iraq, Afghanistan. He was one of the first people to enter Afghanistan uh, after 9-11. And uh, he told me uh, his background, his family, uh, and uh, troubled childhood and teenage years that kind of led him with no other option than um, military. Uh, very interesting reasoning that he had. Uh, for choosing that career path, uh, explained me the training, how it works, um, how tough it is, and uh, what you need to be uh, capable of doing, uh, why they keep everything clean, and why this obsession about routines exists in the military, how it is to be in a war zone and under attack, um, what he feels about the casualties, uh, the politics, and basically how people appreciate the work that people like him do. Um, and then how, how it has been for him to kind of transition from um, this life into what we could say like a more of a civilian, normal life. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a very interesting talk. I have a feeling that I could have spoken to him for a lot longer. At least I was very curious because um, it's not very often that you get to meet someone who has uh, reached this level. I mean, commando, royal commandos is... Um, it's the second highest tier in the in the military. These are special forces. These are, like he says himself, a bunch of James Bonds wandering around. Um, check this out, guys. It's very interesting. And uh, the sponsors, that's the old bar on Cypher Tower 21 in Shishkov, close to Churchill Square, uh, easy to reach, um, amazing food, just amazing. There is nothing bad at the old bar. Um, and uh, healthy, but tasty. Organic stuff, homemade you name it, and uh, Crazy Skir, um, Icelandic recipe made in an organic farm just outside of Prague. So, um, yeah, t try that out. Or order it home on Volt or Bolt. And then Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz, where you can find your next job. Um, now it's easier than ever to find a job. You just go in and you say what you want, and from that moment you will get those jobs sent to you or notified whenever they're coming, and you can apply with one click. Couldn't be more easy. Uh, also available as an app in the App Store, Alfred Jobs. And guys, if you are already not, uh, well, well, how to say that, already not, if you're not already um, subscribers to my YouTube channel, then go and subscribe there. Um, and uh, yeah, please, in iTunes or Apple Podcast review, um, I only accept five-star reviews, just to be clear on that. Uh, review and, um, yeah. Give me some five stars. Thank you. Welcome to my bunker, Al Bonkarts. Am I saying it right? Your second name? Close enough. Yeah? Yes, you are. Yeah. How, how would you say it? Al Bongarts. But you, you're, you're Scottish. I am. But you don't speak Scottish. You're right. I don't speak Scottish. Yeah. Why not? I'm not drunk. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you're here because uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Jeff Tyson, a musician, very talented, one of the best guitar players in the world, I, I have to admit. Uh, and uh, 
He actually was on my podcast. I haven't put out that episode, or I probably will have put that episode out now when when this one comes out. So check out Jeff. Uh, he told me about you, and he said that you might have some interesting things to tell me. Um, you have dedicated your career to military. Uh, Green Beret, Commando, wh- what are you? So, Or what have you been? Well, you are forever. Um, yeah. It's not something you, you kind of do as a part-time job. Um, as, a, as a youngster, I, um, I joined the British military. Uh, I joined up and I became a, a commando, mm. a Royal Engineers Commando, 5'9". Uh, and then I uh, spent my time, most of my adult life, deploying, doing the Queen's bidding, as they say. Uh, mm. And then um, upon retiring, really, or leaving the military, I, I carved my way into advanced care medicine. And uh, now I study, I learn, I teach, and I treat sick people wherever wherever I can. What is advanced care medicine? Just for... for so I'm not a physician. Mm. However... I'm as highly qualified as you can get before you become a physician. In, in some terms, I'm a, I've just completed a master's in emergency and resuscitation medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a paramedic. That's highly qualified, really. And but, um, but what kind of people would you then serve with this? So um, if I was if I was working in the U.S. or the U.K., um, I'd likely be on critical care um, here. I'm a member of the Institute of the Postgraduate Medical Education on the Emergency Medical Faculty. And what I do is here I coordinate their international training programs um, for suitability in their emergency medical system. So like in what kind of emergency would that be? Like a natural disaster or something like this? Uh, Daily critical emergencies Uh daily. So car crash, somebody gets severely injured. When they call the helicopters, that's when it's critical. Or when someone is very, very sick, they may be terminal and they may need to move from one hospital to another, then what they'll, not that, uh, (laughs) not now, Um, what they might do is they might call a critical care transport or transfer and they'll then use an ambulance with highly qualified staff, a lot more instruments than normal, and then move that patient in that vehicle. Uh Uh-huh. That's interesting. I I didn't even know that this exists. But this comes out of military in a way, that that that, or, it, or what? It, it came to me because during uh, during my time in the military, I, I did my medical courses, um, and before getting promoted and doing other roles, I I was the team medic, mm-hmm. and uh, the usefulness of that has never been lost on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on in life, uh, uh, sadly, uh, my stepdad died, and. Um, I was the first responder, and he died. Um, and it wasn't really guilt-led, but I realized then, I, I thought then, I, I need to know more about this. Um, and so I've studied and followed um, as much schooling as I've been able to as time's gone on on how to um, how to know as much as possible about these events. And, and therefore, when people are at the most critical and at the most vulnerable, um, apply as much care as I can. Mm -hmm. But before all this, before military, before you then transition into this, um, um, where did it all start? You were born in in Scotland. I was, yes. I was born in uh, Edinburgh, uh, arguably the greatest place in the world. 
<laughs> next to Prague. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, start start in one awesome place and then uh, retire in another. It's, yeah. uh, it's how it goes. So Edinburgh is a, a fantastic city. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see much of the city as a youngster because I grew up in Wester Hales. And, uh, and that is... Uh, West Wester Hills is a shithole. Okay. Uh, it is possibly on Trump's, uh, Donald Trump's list of places that wouldn't get a visa if you said you were from there. Um, uh, if you think the, the movie Train Spotting, uh, that's probably the best imagery in your mind, uh, very accurately so, of Wester Hills where I grew up. From, from a social and, and cultural standpoint? Or, or, or Absolutely all of it, from the the drug scene um the everything those yeah. characters were bang on the money for not just family members but for friends of family members uh yeah and why 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 is that why 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 does why does a place like this become like that why, um, why do this in 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 the british empire you know well the wester hills was all of the the council housing it was state housing for poor people and so um, uh, the state housing, obviously, you, you, you get an apartment from the state. Um, you, you, you have a job or you're on the dole, we call it the dole, which is on benefits. And, uh, yeah, and so you, you're, the, you're the bottom of the barrel. And so when you're the bottom of the barrel, if for some reason everything turns towards um, illicit substances, alcohol, and the things that come after that, you know, mm. the eclectic borderline criminal lifestyle you know and 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 you and your family it's a big family i mean you had five mm-hmm. brothers mm-hmm. And, and two sisters mm-hmm. so you eight kids in the household uh, what uh, then it was uh, three big brothers and two big sisters in that household uh-huh. two little brothers came later and 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 were you living in those uh, social houses or mm-hmm. or, or system yeah. houses so we were living in a a place uh, in wester hills and it had me, four of us in one room, um, the bedroom. So it was a bit of a luxury because we were in one room uh, and the sisters were in another room. And uh, I think I think mom and dad had another room maybe or it was a broom closet that was turned into a room. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, we, we had it. We had relative luxury um, <laughs> as it was. Yeah. And how how what did your parents do? What were they? Um, my old man. Uh, he was a his former soldier, then truck driver. Um, he used to deliver coal uh, back then. Uh, yeah, he was a truck driver, deliver coal. Then in the, his later days, he was a taxi driver, a cabbie. Uh, and then uh, that was all she wrote. Unfortunately, uh, his line ended, and uh, his line ended when I was five. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, how how was that an accident or or? Uh, just heart attack. Uh huh. He was he was old, and it was. Back then, uh, there there wasn't much about lifestyle. Hard yeah. drinking, hard living, yeah. squatty, trucker. You know, um, it was yeah, lots of lots of beer, lots of smoking, yeah. lots of uh, lots of very manly. You know, uh, basic dude stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about your mom? What was she? I guess it was a full time job taking care of all those kids, mm-hmm. right? Mom's a housewife. Yeah. 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 And how how was your you know, how was it growing up in, in a neighborhood like this? I mean, were you exposed to a lot of trouble? Um, you didn't perceive it as trouble. I don't remember much because um, when when the old man died, um, 
my my mum and him had just split up shortly before then. I can't remember the timeline because I was a youngster. Um, and then we moved to the neighbouring housing estate where my mum had shacked up with some other guy. Um, and yeah, and that was sort of uh, the start of us moving around for the next uh, four or five years, maybe. Mm-hmm. With the, the different uh, in that yeah. area, or, or uh, well, my, my mom moved in with this other guy, and he was uh, uh well, let's say he was fairly fairly loose with his with his hands. Uh, yeah, I, I remember I remember some fairly fairly good beatings actually. Um, now now we call it child abuse, but then we just called it, I suppose, discipline. Yeah. Uh, and so um yeah, uh, but I do remember one instance. Um, that obviously, when when I was visiting my fa- my my dad, because he was still alive back then, at the weekends when I got a chance to, I I told my brothers what was going on. My big brothers at the time, and my brother Ricky came around the house <laughs> and told uh told this this fella to quit it, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and let's let's say um he told him to quit it or he'd, he'd take his hand to him. And Ricky was only eight years older than me, so a, a teenager himself, but he came uh-huh. to stand up for me. Oh, uh, that's great. That's my brothers. Yeah. That's my that's my family. We'd, we stand up for each other. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you're, you're, but you're, you ended up moving to Wales, right? Yeah, we, um, after my mom split up with whoever she was with, um, at that time, she then had me and my younger brother, um, and we ended up homeless for some time and in a hostel. I bounced around a few hostels. I remember one or two um, where we all uh, we, we grew up in one room. And then uh, just me, my mom, and my now new younger brother. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we bounced around homeless, from homeless hostel to homeless hostel until my mom met this guy, uh, David, uh, in North Wales, David Thomas. Uh, he became my stepdad, and was a, an amazing guy. But how how is it? Where, where were your older siblings then? So you say that you and your younger brother were bouncing around with your mom. Where, where were the older ones? Well, they stayed with me, old man. Uh-huh. Um, and because of the age, then um, then my old man, uh, when when he died, mm. um, they're all of age, um, uh-huh. living living a life or in the military. Uh-huh. And uh, how was it in Wales? It's it's totally different from Scotland, right? Or, yeah, or um, I'd like to say it sucked actually straight away. It just sucked because <laughs> uh, I I'm just I was just different, I suppose. Uh, youngster, big mouth, loads of energy, um, and uh, the school I joined joined um, my birthday fell between the border of the school year. And because of that, um, I joined one class and they realized they put me in the wrong class and then bounced me ahead a year. So I went from being the biggest in the class to the littlest in the class. Uh, but my volume and behavior did not change. And so um, I kind of, I don't know if I painted a target on my own back or it was a different accent or just my general personality or their general personality, but I got picked on a little bit. And uh, I didn't shy away from conflict um then or now or ever really but um yeah i got picked on a little bit and the bullying was quite uh sustained throughout my whole school time because i just carried on into it um i'm biased to forward movement i suppose and you fought back 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Lots of lots of scraps behind the bike sheds. Lots of uh, yeah, lots of school chairs thrown. Lots of uh, uh just yeah, scrapping all the time, all and, the time. And and what was it that they had against you that that you were Scottish? Um, well, I was, I was also I was from out of town. I was foreign. I I, I wasn't. I was different, and uh, and I didn't. I didn't really feel a need to want to be like them or fit in like those around me. I thought, you know, I was very proud of being being from Scotland, you know, and I still am, and that's that's the way it is. Um, so basically, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's not always the best message when you're the new kid in town. <sighs> Absolutely not. And I was built like I had a week to live. Absolutely skinny as a rake. Nothing on me. I was about. Yeah, I was little. Uh, I was little. If I walked over a cattle grid, I would disappear down the down the gaps. Seriously little. But also because we were poor, I had secondhand clothes, holes in my shoes, nothing trendy. Um, you know. And this is in what, like eighties, nineties, right? Yeah, 80s. yeah, yeah. This was the the late eighties. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 you know I remember this time you know you had to have the right brands you know already you had to have the right shoes. And oh yeah, um, I mean I think Reebok Air yeah, came out. You yeah, pump yeah. up your trainers and yes, stuff like that. Yes. I was like, wow, yeah. I'm still wearing shoes to PT. Yeah, you know those little black slip-ons. Yeah. That yeah, yeah, I'm still yeah. Uh, but hey ho, you know, uh, and that, that was that was it. And uh, and kids are brutal. Kids are absolutely brutal they just go at you you know and so you go back at them you know? yeah well some people break other people fight back it wasn't um it's not a hero story i went home more than once in tears bloody nose torn clothes and then i get home and my mom would rip me a new one for getting my clothes bloody messy and torn up and it would be my misbehavior that was the problem because i yeah um yeah so it's not like i was just rolling through them every day victorious it, it was it was um a sustained uh yeah it was hard work it was hard work i i just wanted out and uh yeah but th- but this sounds like uh it doesn't sound like a dream i mean you know if you imagine being born in train spotting and then having an abusive stepdad or you know like a violent stepdad mm-hmm. and 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 being in those environments i mean um how did you what was your surviving mechanism you know what 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 kept kind of the hope i don't know no no idea um any no. role models i mean was there any like your, your father while he was still alive or or your older brothers or something or or any anyone you could look up to hmm. no just wanted to join the army mm and you knew that already yep. at a young age. Yep, I just just wanted to be a soldier. Uh huh. And what and what answer would that give you? You know what I mean? How would that be like a way out? Uh, was well, a way out because you join the army, you get three square meals a day, your roof over your head, you get clothes. Um, the rules are the same for everyone, and your persistence and hard work is rewarded with promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're not uh, so you 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 you're not bound by social class or any caste or anything like this. You you basically everyone is on equal terms and treated the same way. You turn up at basic training, they go through your stuff, take anything off you that's contraband. You get your head shaved, you get your uniform, 
you get taught to march <laughs> march around a bit of tarmac um you know yeah um and i suppose that seemed like a nice idea to me um considering that everywhere i went i didn't feel like i fitted in but there must have been some like i don't know i mean because how how old are you you when you when you Mm. When you th- think that you've already, when you find out that that's what you want to do, it was my big brother Gary. Uh huh. He 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 helped me. He, he went in. Yeah, he was he was in, um, and I remember him from my youngest years coming back from the military at the weekends, uh, the uniform, um, and how everybody was proud of him coming back to uh-huh. Wester Hales. Yeah. You know, where uh, there weren't many things to be proud of. Oh, uh, where. Well, you know what? Um, I don't want to paint it in too much of a bad light because mm. I was so young, mm. and but I just thought because I'm only just really thinking about focusing on that question right now. Um, yeah, that was it, and then um, and then he sustained that. Um, I I didn't see my family for years, and then they found me again in North Wales four or five years after um, we left Scotland. And they they found me, and then he mentored me when I said I wanted to join up. Um, he took me to the careers office for my first visit, and yeah. That, so yeah, when when you ask about role model, yeah, it was it was my eldest brother. Mm. Because you saw that he he was doing something that made him happy, gave him pride, gave him respect. I had a car. Yeah, he had a car. He had a nice shiny car. It went yeah. fast. I was like, "How do I get one of those?" You know, <laughs> get a job. How yeah. do I get a job? Yeah. Um, well, join the army. They'll give you a job for free. Yeah. They'll find a job for you if you get in. You know. Yeah. And yeah, they found lots of jobs for me. It was nice. Yeah, life is not always very complicated, actually, especially when you're young. It's about fulfilling some basics. Yeah, it was like, I, yeah. I mean, I I couldn't think around the corner back then. I'm pretty sure I don't think around many corners now, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> But uh. Um, when when you're young and you don't have a lot, mm. the the simplest thing of some security in life and something that you can own that's yours mm. is quite a it's quite a big deal. Yeah. Considering you've been having hand me down second hand and free clothes for yeah, most yeah. year most yeah. of your young adult life. Yeah, that's true. Um, <coughs> but you mentioned uh, David, mm-hmm. right? That was the stepdad's name. He w- he was a good guy. He was amazing. Yeah, I wasn't. I was a temperamental little shit. Towards um, him also, or, or no, just just in general, I was mm. misdirected. But he he was an ex-soldier too. Um, he had he had bad angina. Obviously, that's what um got him in the end. But um, he he always had patience for me. Never lifted a hand to me. Loved my mum. Loved my little brother. And uh, then along came another little brother. Christopher, who we're still pretty close, is really nice. He looked after me, um, and he, yeah, ne- never lifted a finger, and always tried to be there for me, no matter how misdirected I was. And and but he also influenced your your uh, or inspired you to mm-hmm. to go and do something. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think you told me we were you found out around this time, or you no, you were going into, you had two choices. That was either the infantry or. Or technical college, right? Right. So I I turned up at the army uh, careers office mm. with my big brother, and um, uh, I took the entrance exam. And surprising to me, um, uh, I I scored really really highly. Um, 
That's, it was the second highest score they'd had in that office to date at that time. Um, and so that was uh, surprising to me because school had always been a bit hit and miss. And uh, what, uh, what came about then was uh, a big list of jobs, huge list of jobs from helicopter pilot right down to um, cleaner, I suppose. However, I had no GCSEs qualifications from school uh, because I hadn't really completed school properly. So I would either join the infantry that day or I could go away and do two semesters at Clondreth Low Technical College and that BTEC diploma would serve as a proof of education. Yeah. To allow and that me c- into a, a higher level or, or yeah, into a different choice. Yeah, yeah, put me in a different bracket. Basically. Because the infantry, infantry is kind of the the entry level. Yeah, of um, of, of military, right? Yeah, I, would, I mean, I hate to say entry level. I mean, infantry are an absolutely useful tool, mm-hmm. but um, they are a bunch of tools. Yeah, <laughs> and now you're <laughs> laughing. <laughs> well, you know, there's probably a few infantry blokes out there that'll uh, yeah catch me up later. But 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 the role of infantry in in war, let's say. What what is the role of infantry in war? To soldier. Okay, to do the ground fights. Mm-hmm. To do to soldier. Yep. And what's the difference, for example, between marines and infantry? Mm-hmm. Marines are waterborne infantry, uh-huh. and a few of them will catch me up later for that statement. Okay, <laughs> so they will. So they will come. They come on the boats. On the boats. The beach, go up. Infantry the comes yeah. parachuting, or, or well, the paras come parachuting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So the parachute regiment. Uh, mm-hmm. I better be careful with this one. Uh, the paras, they, they drop in out of the sky. Mm. Uh, the the marines, they hit the beaches. Mm. Uh, and eventually the infantry will get there in their tractors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's always, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm from Iceland, we don't have a military. and uh, But so most of the stuff that I'm going to say here today is something that I've, I've seen in, in movies and, and stuff like that. But you always kind of have a feeling that the infantry is a little bit looked down at. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? Um, because it is the, it is the entry level. Uh-huh. Um, they have specialists within their roles. Um, but my big brother was infantry. And he, he ended up, um, you know, he's, he's a truck driver now in his 50s. Uh, not, 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 he's happy. He's he's happy, but he he got he was in the infantry. They became mechanized. That means by vehicle. They moved by vehicle, and so he became a driver, uh, an instructor of drivers. There's nothing he can't drive, um, but but that's it. There is a narrow there is a narrow pathway for those guys. The less advanced yeah so choices there. So, so let's say a guy who's a machine gunner mm. will be a machine gunner and he'll get promoted and he'll lead a gun team. And then he'll lead a platoon. Then he'll maybe get out the military. Um, he's really good with a machine gun. Yeah. He can tell you everything <laughs> you can, about yeah. a machine gun. He can go and work um, in Wester Hales. But probably could get a job in Wester Hales at the at the chemist, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they're pretty sure they've got a machine gun outside. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so 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 you didn't want to go into the infantry. So you go into technical college. And and, uh, and you had never been really good at school. Um, some things were easy. Yeah. Um, the understanding of sciences seemed pretty easy. Um, funnily enough, art was the highest grade I got in school. Um, you know, uh, sciences were good. Language was difficult. Language was difficult for me. English was difficult, although English literature was was easy um, because it was the the reading and, and literary aspect, I suppose. Um, yeah, but school was hard. I 
I was a, I felt I was, I was told it was my behavior um, that led me to be a disruptive element in my own learning. Mm. Um, and so you get told that you believe that, right? Because over time, yeah. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's how school was for me. Mm. But you found out that the, the, you, you had some issues. Yeah, technical college is really good because um, Clendrithlow College, when when we started, um, I did um, uh, a BTEC diploma in um, uh, motor vehicles, service and repair road vehicles, sort of following my big brother's path and wanting to drive everything and fix everything. And um, when we, we were doing a theory portion at the beginning, I had real trouble taking notes. Um, I could understand what was going on, but I could not take the notes. And... Uh, They had a. They they sent me off to uh not sent me off like you know in the in the ambulance or the, you know, a, <laughs> a straitjacket. Straight jacket. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't send me off. <laughs> um, they uh they said, "Do you want to go and see somebody who'll um will have a look at to see if you have any difficulties with this?" And it came back. Um, well, it came back that from from what I was writing, the way I was writing, and the way I used the written word, that yeah, I'm I'm dyslexic. It's not a great issue. And it wasn't, it's not a huge issue. It still exists now. When I'm taking notes, some letters will come out the wrong way. Capital letters get replaced with um, baby letters and vice versa. All my P's and my B's end up being switched around. Um, you know, technology these days with spell check, it does me great. Yeah. Um, But when you discovered this, was it easier than afterwards? I mean, you, or was it just knowing that you're not stupid? It's actually just some dysfunction. A bit of both, actually. Mm. A bit of both. I realized that um, what my teachers were saying was bullshit, even though probably my behavior that came from that, you know, did the tail wag the dog or was the dog still wagging the tail? Self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, all of that. Um, so I, um, the knowledge meant that I thought, okay, I'm not stupid. Again, any of my friends listen to this, some may disagree. Uh, um, however, I'm not stupid, but it did make me self-conscious then. Every time I went to write, I thought harder. And so then I avoided writing as much as possible because then if the teachers thought I was stupid because of my written word, then, hey, I'm just not going to do that as much as possible. And that didn't serve me too well, really. So, yeah, I cared about school less because the, the conclusion of school less because of this um this diagnosis however um it did make me move away from any sort of academic approach um so it kind of strength just strengthened your belief in the, to go into the military path yeah i thought well i thought well the military um the way they teach and i i know far more about it now and i'm so glad i went that way because the way they teach and the way they empower you It was not based around the, it's not the academic style. Mm. It's the more so um, see one, do one, teach one style of learning. And that suited me. Um, so I guess th there was no other option. I mean, you, and I'm, I'm just curious because, you know, a guy with your background and, and, uh, family history and, and, and those, uh, yeah, I mean, th this would be like a social services case if this was happening today. Um, <laughs> uh, no disrespect, but, uh, uh, and it probably was already back then as well, but uh, uh, you never, you know, you, you, you have been a, like a perfect guy into crime. 
Well, that's the other choice, isn't it? Mm. That was the other, well, that's the other shoe, if, if you want to call it that. Mm. Um, but that never was uh, ever, ever, uh, uh, <laughs> there was never a career choice there, or? or that, well, yeah, of course there is. You, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is, there was. Um, I chose, I chose the, I chose the other. Um, yeah, there, there was a career choice that way. Um, yeah, there was a few forks in the road, let's say. Um, and I continued on the path that's led me here today. Yeah. Um, so then you, you, you go through the technical college and then you, you get into something that, that you told me about that's called Royal Signals. And, um, and I know you, you, that was just a brief, for a brief moment. But I'm just a little bit curious because when I when I heard that name, um, I didn't really understand what it is. But then I read about it. But if you tell me very briefly, what what are the Royal Signals? What's what's their role? So the Royal Signals. Um, obviously, I went back to the careers office, diploma in hand, like right, give me a job, and they went right. Which, what do you want out of these? Um, and I said I want to go into the one that gets me into work as soon as possible. And they said right, we've got an induction next week. Um, Royal Signals. I went, right, I'll go. <laughs> and you didn't even know what it was? No. Uh, so, and I chose the trade, which was a lineman back uh-huh. then. And it was laying, my trade would have been, um, first of all, Royal Signals is a bunch of radio, uh, the radio operators, the guys who are in charge of communication and communication networks for the military. Um, so the word signals comes back from the old days. Yeah, yeah. when they were sending with pigeons. Morse code, um, yeah. and we still learn Morse code. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, so that's where signals came from, and and that is then c- taking care of of combat communication mm-hmm. networks mm-hmm. or also all, all. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. as it was then. Okay, and uh, but, but there is, uh, yeah. So are these why are the, why is it called royal? What what is it? Everything, everything, everything is, is royal. Everything's royal when you work for Her Majesty the Queen. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Royal right. Marines, Royal Signals, yeah. yeah. And 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 you don't stay with with this communication or, or with the signals for long, right? Well, firstly, the cap badge looks a bit girly, so I didn't kind of like the girly badge. Yeah, uh, and uh, you 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 go to a phase one training, which is basically an infantry school for ten weeks, and all cap badges are mixed up, and it doesn't matter where you're going next. Signals, yeah, because that's the base level. Yeah, yeah. So that's the base level. That's marching, shooting. Um, and clean your shoes, personal hygiene, you know, make your bed. It's like um, in full metal jacket. Funnily enough, that base where it was filmed was actually Army Training Regiment Basingbourne, and it's the same base I trained at. Really? Yeah, it's not in America. It's not Paris Island. Uh-huh. Look at the road markings. They're British. Uh-huh. So anyway, sorry, there's a little... Was I allowed to say that? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so, so yeah, base level, exactly that. Yeah. For and 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 how real is that? Like in movies like this, you know, wake up at six and eat and go out and march and pretty much, uh-huh. um, pretty much. We weren't in uh, rooms with bunk beds like that. Now we're about uh, eight in a room. Mm. Uh, we all had a locker, a bed. Um, every day you're inspected, um, up, ironed, cleaned. You know, mm. dust on the do- top of the doors, window sills. Everything was dusted. Brasses were polished. Everything was clean. Anything was found to be dirty. There was punishment. There was push-ups. There was burpees until your arms wouldn't work anymore or your legs wouldn't work anymore or you were just a gibbering wreck or the staff got bored. 
And how? Why do you think this attention to detail is? What? What's the? What purpose does it serve? Discipline. Uh huh. Discipline. Um, it is. It's an element of. Um, I'm not going to use the word brainwashing. It's an element of conditioning. So let's. Um, you're all from different backgrounds. You all got different strengths, weaknesses, but you're all in there for one purpose. And so at the end of every day, when you finish your training day, you've got to still do your duties. And although those duties are mundane and benign, they do still have to be done. Because when you do go out there into the field um, or you do deploy, there are lots of mundane things you have to do. In the middle of the middle of the desert or the jungle, you still have to keep up personal hygiene. You know, and that discipline must be instilled somewhere. So it's creating those routines of... of it's creating the understanding that the I, I believe that the understanding that the mundane is actually necessary. Mm. And also, if your hands aren't busy, you start to mess around with shit that you shouldn't mess around with. So there's also the, uh, you know, keeping young bunch of young kids busy yeah, as pr- much as pretty, possible. Pretty pretty much is a bit of both. Um, don't give them too much time to reflect, and also instill this because every day some somebody else was a senior student nominated to run the evening cleanups and report to the staff and keep everybody in line. So it's just this indoctrination, if you will. Mm. And what about the physical part? Like, you know, like we, we see in those, in, in, yeah, in, in movies and, and, and TV series and stuff like that, you see this marching with a, you know, 30-kilo backpack, full outfit. So the, um, the basic military... It isn't so hard. It is it is when you just come from the street, right? I'm looking at it from the back end now. Um, then it was really hard conditioning, but it's phased into you. You don't just get given um, uh, 30 kilos um, and then on some belt kit and a rifle yeah. and told get on with it. Yeah. You are progressed through um, the, the military training corps, the physical training corps. Um, very, very good. They They phase you into it. You will start gently and be led into it. You'll be well-fed. You'll be looked after. Um, if you get injured, you go to the clinic, the sick bay, you get repaired, you get physioed. You get, so it's not um, it's not just a thrashing, um, as some people might perceive it, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, yeah, it's, I'm very curious about this because a lot, a lot of things come out of the military, like, for example... Um, Fitness-wise, you know, like uh, there's a lot of trends, fitness trends, and and technology that is that comes out of this because mm-hmm. obviously in this area, people are always looking for improvement somehow. I know, like um, CrossFit. Somebody's yeah. making loads of money with CrossFit yeah. and Spartan races. Yeah. I was doing those exercises in the nineties because yeah. that's what we got told to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually wanted to mention CrossFit as an example because that kind of comes out of the military. Yeah. Well, it seemed to. I was out the military when it came out. I went to CrossFit gym, and I was like, "I'm not paying for this shit. I've done. I do. I used to get paid to do this shit, you know." (laughs) But how? So, so you do that basic infantry, or let's say military, that that Mm -hmm. everybody does, and then you go, and then you're supposed to go back in, or or then you go into the signals. Yeah. So, so that that should that should have happened. Um, However, on week two, I was introduced to uh, his name was Corporal Clooney. Um, he was a he had a Green Beret, uh, Royal Engineers cap badge, and he was a monster, six foot two. Just looked like an absolute he'd freaking you know eat barbed wire that sort of guy. And I thought ah, I want to be like that bastard. 
And whenever he walked around, everybody was nervous because you thought this guy, he's just gonna get he's just gonna destroy me by looking at me. You know, like fuck, he's a machine. Uh and so to that end I thought, how do I do that? And my job's gonna be pretty shit. So I found out Royal Engineers get to blow things up. We get to drive everything, blow things up. We get to do stuff. You know, just um, I, I can't describe it all um, from blowing things up to building bridges to cutting things down with chainsaws, abseiling through the jungle, um, sitting on the skid of a helicopter, being cool. You know, uh, we got to do stuff. It's you know? not telecommunications and yeah. faxes. Yeah, I'm not going to be a, a teletyping yeah. anytime soon. Uh, Morse coding. And then, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of things that the engineers do, which is just mega. It's everything that you, everything you want to do, you can do. They'll find a niche for you. And sorry, I'm talking with my hands, which might cause a bit. No, of that's a, okay. All uh, right. So, um, but yeah, there's a niche for everybody in the engineers. Um, if you're willing to work hard, and uh, and so. They were happy to just change cat badges for me there in week two. Yeah, here's a different cat badge, whatever. means nothing to us. meant everything to me. Um, but that, that, that then you need to be trained into that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's phase two. That comes yeah. next. And, and how, how does that then work? Then well, you go into more of the specialities, right? Well, yeah, so then you go into combat engineering, uh-huh. which is class three combat engineering. So it's out of usually finished by class one many, many years later. But class three as you go in. It's another about 12 weeks. And every couple of weeks you change element. So you start off with basic engineering, which is how to work everything from a hammer and chisel, a 26-inch crosscut saw, generators, how to start and fuel and fix them, um, how to work uh, chainsaws, every, everything, every, every tool you can think of. Um, they have in their G1098 store, and uh, you get learn how to clean them, maintain them, use them to effect. Yeah, taught basic carpentry, basic bricklaying, basic metalwork. Um, then after that, you go on to route access, route denial. Route access is building roads. Route denial is how to stop people getting to you across that road. Um, you know, route access, route denial, mine warfare, putting them in the ground, taking them out of the ground, blowing things up, building bridges, um, building bridges without equipment to build bridges. Uh basically a whole plethora of um, improvisational techniques to get your guys to complete their mission. So, so I guess that the, the, the uh, Royal Engineers are a support function to the front line in, in this case. I mean, you... Absolutely, yeah. That is it. And, and uh, but you, you also get... I mean, so, so you need to, first of all, I mean, you need to be physically fit you know mm-hmm. like b- b- your body has to be in a good shape and then you need to know all these trades you know laying mm-hmm. bricks and and um, building and burning down and whatever you know and, mm-hmm. and and how to deal with different chemicals and and and, and mm-hmm. uh, engines and stuff but then there is also the the fighting part or the combat part i guess mm-hmm. and to be able to apply all this mm-hmm. when things are going off around you and somebody is desperately trying to kill you Mm-hmm. So I guess that's one part of the training as well, right? Oh, that's it. That's why they call it combat engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, because when, when you deploy as a combat engineer, you're deploying not just with your rifle, your ammunition, your food, your water. Um, you're also deploying with any specialist equipment for your role during that particular mission, whether it be 20 meters of firing cable, you know, whether it be half a dozen sticks of plastic explosives, whether it be um, a Bangalore torpedo. Mm. Um 
you know. Bangalore is the, the long, yeah, yeah, yeah. long uh, yeah, yeah. steel bars that yeah. you put in the ground in Call of Duty. And yeah, it could, could do that. Or you yeah. can improvise them with, the, with a few bits and bobs. Yeah. Uh. And, and But, so, I guess, you know, how how is that training? Like, do it's you... It's mega. Yeah? <laughs> because how do they create? Do, can, do they try to create those circumstances where you feel yeah. that urgency and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's all... Um, it's built up. So you do three or four weeks, and um, I can't remember exactly. The, it's a long time ago now. Bit, bit, a uh, bit grey now. Uh, but uh, you do three or four weeks, and then they'll do a week in the field exercise. So where you accumulate that first three or four weeks, where you'll practically use in in your in the war fighting scenario those skills of the first three or four weeks. Then you'll have an exercise, a second exercise later in the training cycle where they accumulate the first six or eight weeks, if I remember rightly. And then at the end, you have the big final exercise, which accumulates everything, everything you've learned. And how, if you fail at that, I mean, if you make a mistake or, or you know... You get back back squatted uh-huh. and get to go again. Um, but there is a there's a fairly rigorous testing regime. Every every smaller element... Is tested. Yeah, there's a, there's a day of testing for every element. Uh-huh. So they catch you there. They don't leave it till the exercise to say you failed. Go back to the start. Yeah, you might fail. Um, there are milestones. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, so and these milestones are, you know, it's uh, you've got to pass the, the 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 written exams. You've got to pass the um, the practical exams. Uh, it's a uh, mm. it's pretty robust. Mm. And they'll send you back and then send you back and then eventually if you if you just don't have it. Yeah, if you just they can't tell be an you engineer, to go and, yeah, let's move you somewhere well, else. Yeah, they won't kick you out of the army. They'll mm. um, they'll really try their best to find a niche for you, because um, you've already sworn an oath to the queen. They're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna waste that um, that want. No, and I guess especially and like now it's probably difficult to recruit or more difficult to recruit into this that now that there is so much other options, you know, education wise and and career wise. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's. I I have a feeling that that young young people have more options on their table now than maybe you had when you were doing this like some twenty something years ago. Yeah, maybe the world is fairly affluent now, right? We we do live in a yeah, come on, let's face it, we live in an affluent society now. Everybody's got what they want, one way or the other. There's no second hand clothes. Yeah, you 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 tend to find that there is either the, it's more divisive now. It's have and have not. There's no sort of middling. I suppose. Now I don't know what I don't know the way what they're doing now. I know recruitment is way down. Um, it's uh, but the army is becoming more technical and smaller. Yeah. yeah. Um, and being reshuffled and all the better for it. Mm. You know, all the better for it. But uh, talking about that technology, because I mean, yeah, before we started recording here, we were, uh, we, we were talking a little bit that there is so much that has come out of the military, like tr- technology mm-hmm. and 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 materials and you know, like. Uh, all sorts of things that we actually use in our day-to-day life, but were originally, mm-hmm. how how was that when you were? I can imagine now that that if I, that, that they're using virtual reality and different kind of things, enhanced reality or whatever mm-hmm. to to train people. Was there something like this, like when you were training, the, where you were like, "What the fuck? This is cool," you know, leading or edge technology. I think for me, the um, the pinnacle of technology was. Um, uh, at the, I think it was a small arms wing, and we went in there, and it was a, 
it was set up like a shooting range, but it wasn't. It was a big projector screen showing us the, the village. And um, the magazine we put on our weapon had a huge cable sticking out of it. And it didn't have a bullet in it. It obviously had a, a, a all very low tech now. But then this was like, what the f- so it sensed what you were shooting yeah, at. Yeah, to the, yeah, uh, yeah. And it was like, well, and we had one go on that. Like, <laughs> um, and then you were done. Then it was back to the field, you know. And then eventually you're on a live firing range. So it was, um, yeah, it was kind of like, wow, this is where it's going. And now, obviously, you know, and and then there was exercises after that with um, basically laser tag, if you will. Um, maybe a bit more technically advanced than laser tag, but pretty much laser tag. Um and that was the pinnacle of technology and training for me when I was there. Everything else was uh, basically just making you physically and mentally robust yeah. and repetitive training. And you never, you were never close to giving up. I mean, it never, it you never felt that this is too hard or too repetitive or. or I didn't really feel like giving up until um, I got to the last half hour before I was a, before I finished commando training. Mm. Once, once I felt like just sacking it. Out the whole lot, um, but that, but that passed quickly. Talking about that, Commando Green Beret. Mm-hmm. How how did that happen? I got to my unit in uh, the engineers, and uh, my illusion, the bubble burst. All through training, I was working my way up to something, and I got to the unit in Germany, and everybody had a pot belly. Everybody drank too much beer. Everybody drove armored vehicles. And uh, it felt a bit nine to five. It felt a bit vanilla. So um, I was selected quite, uh, I was asked to quite early on. I became a physical training instructor as part of that unit. Um, And then I still was bored. I wanted to do. And so um, it was either join nine squadron, the, the, the para version in the engineers, or five nine commando squadron, independent commando squadron as it was then, and uh, I liked the idea of the commandos, gentlemen, bunch of gentlemen, just a bunch of James Bonds wandering around. Brilliant. That was it. That's going to be me. And uh, uh, I, funnily enough, um, I applied, and uh, my uh, my troop commander then. Uh, my boss, he said, no, I'm not signing it. You, you can't go. So I signed my own joining instructions and went AWOL. Uh-huh. Uh, you, the, fake, you faked his Yeah, I, I faked his signature, uh-huh. yeah, completely. Um, <laughs> can't believe I said that out loud. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, I arrived down in uh, Chivener in North Devon. Mm. Nobody turned me away. Nobody arrested me. I thought, right, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, and then my worries came from another avenue. I turned up at there. I turned up there, and you just look around and you just see everybody's wearing a green lid, and it's like wow, everybody's a machine. Everybody looked fit, squared away, and it was just, you know. And you were not fit and, and square. Well, well, I was fit. not in that. No, not that way. I was mm. um, I was a regimental boxer. Uh, at best, I was you know fit for. I was I was ring fit or I was fit to take PT lessons, but I wasn't commando fit. Commando fit just it has a robustness about it, you know. Uh, I I think anyway, and I, I still stand by that. Um, very proud of my, myself and all the lads too. And 
and all the lads that come after. Absolute machines. Brilliant. So you get there and... and yeah, I just and joined the training, signed up for the training. I'd already signed up for the training, so I just turned up when I was told I was where I was supposed to be or how I was with the kit I was supposed to have, and I started the training. Mm. And it was brutal. Yeah. Fuck. Because that's like the elite. I mean, these are the elites. There's only there's only one more tier after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... What's that tier? What, that's what's the SAS. Uh-huh. The elite. Yeah. That's like, uh, are the SAS comparable to Navy SEALs or something? Or, or, no, or don't what? be silly. No, yeah. no, I'm, Navy I'm SEALs are rubbish. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, just yeah. to, yes, because, you yes know, we know no. less about yeah. the British military yeah. than yeah. we know about yes the... Yes and no, both. So, yeah, yeah, they're both tier one. Yeah. We call them tier one. Uh-huh. Um, so that that would be called tier one special forces. Um, tier two is um, paras, marines, and so on. Well, give, or, give or take, you know. But yeah, so um, so yeah, there was only one more step after that, and that was that was later in my career. I went that way. So um, so yeah, I got there and I just signed up and started training. Uh, I pass pass a selection process they have there called the beat up. Mm. Fucking beat up. It's called the beat up. Uh, what what does that mean? Because you get beat up. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you don't actually get beat up, but you're standing there in your little little army shorts with your green t-shirt on, with your white patch on your chest. With your with your surname on it, and it starts from the first morning. It starts with the physical training test. the The physical training test to join the army has been augmented, so it's just a little bit harder there, you know. And so, yeah, the tests start. It's fizz all morning. Then it's briefings. Then the lessons start. Then it's infantry skills. Then it's more physical training. Then it's bottom field training, log lifting, rope climbing, assault courses infantry skills it's down to the estuary where you're running through the mud crawling through the mud and it's hours and hours and hours and then you go to the welsh mountains for a week and it's every morning you're down by the stream showing your kit perfectly dry perfectly immaculate you've just come out of the field you spent all night next to the stream you've got to lay your kit out on the poncho immaculate ready to go back to the mountains walk all day Mm. Next day, again, again, again. How long? How long is this training? The commando training? Uh, well, the the beat up three or four weeks. Um, it started off as three weeks. It's a really uplifting name, beat up. Well, it's well, it's it says exactly what it says yeah. in the tin. If, yeah. if if you know if the name scares you, don't even turn up. Yeah. <laughs> well, but there's a few amazing, a few hilarious things. I ended up as staff for the beat up before I left, which was a bit of a. As a compliment, you know, a brilliant job to have, you know. Um, but you get given a present by the staff. If you're just, not if you're weak or falling behind, but if your character needs a bit of a... A nudge. A bit of a nudge. And so uh, it's like um, they got a chain with a with a five kilo weight on it, sprayed gold. So that's a bit of bling. You get to wear that chain um, for for 24 hours. Uh but on the beat up, you don't walk anywhere. You have to run everywhere. There's no walking allowed. So you have to double everywhere. So if you get your present for being a bit of a cheeky sod, um, then you need to you, you carry that five chain. kilos. Yeah, you'll be a Baracus chain around your neck, you know? <laughs> um, or you get, they've got a French beret, which obviously this beret is black and nobody yeah. wants a black beret when you want a green beret. Yeah. And it's huge and it flops down over your shoulders. 
or you get a log that you have to paint a different color every night, you know. And so you get these gifts to carry with you as, as just to to kind of give you a little push. It's a little bit of character building. It's like don't yeah. be don't be such a cheeky sod, you know. If you continue to fail, this is your sort of first little warning. We've got our eye on you now. Get rid of your present as soon as you can, you know. So the, the, the beat up is three three weeks. Yeah. And then the whole like the whole commando thing is Then you go down to Limpston and the all arms commando course is eleven weeks. Mm-hmm. Or was it ten or eleven weeks? God. And, and when uh, you when you came out of this, I mean versus uh, the the Al that joined this, you know, where, where did you feel a big difference on yourself? I yeah, mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Physically? Oh uh, I'm still a machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um um they, well, you get to the end of the bottom field. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you briefly about Limston mm. um, because it's where I got caught for being AWOL. So I get to the end of the first phase. And like, the, uh, the guys in Germany are looking for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. it all, they, I found out later they weren't actually looking for me, looking for me. They knew exactly where I was, but they let it ride. And my sergeant major from Germany turned up at the end of the bottom field phase, a testing phase where you do a bunch of physical stuff at Limston, the commando school. Because after the beat-up, you go to Limston, where all the Royal Marines are training, and then you do your all-arms commando course, which is, uh, like I say, 11 weeks long. And they have their, again, interspersed exercises to find out if you can continue. So I'm there in the bottom field, and I'm thinking, I'm going to smash this piece of cake. I was already in the top few lads for physicality, a few friends like Nate, and Dave, uh, um, and a few others. Uh, you know, we were, we were we we had no worries about the fizz. It was a game to us. Now we were we were, we were squared away. Um, so we we're in such a good shape that yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, just bouncing around trying to set records, basically trying to set speed records on Limston. You know, and uh, then I look I look at the spectators and there's the admin officer, uh, and then there's my old sergeant major, and I was like shit. Uh, I'm going to fucking jail for a really long time. And he told me before I started, they called me over, and I was like, yep, game's up. I was like, hello, sir. And he's like, ha, ah, Sapper B, what's going on with you? Where have you been? I said, well, <laughs> I've been uh, been down 5-9. And uh, he said, right, fair enough. Well, you better pass, because if you fail, you come back to us, you go to jail. You better pass, and uh, good luck. <laughs> so I cracked, <laughs> no pressure. I cracked on, you know. Yeah. Uh, he knew, though. And to be honest... Uh, Sal Major Beto was uh, a really good... Uh, he, he, he had my back. He, he mm. knew what I'd done, mm. and he obviously brushed it under the table so I could so I could complete. Move on, yeah. Yeah. He knew the squadron was too... The Germany was too small for me. Yeah. And, uh, the, 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 like, so the commandos are deployed for, um, I guess, special assignments. Like, it's not, like, into some kindergarten stuff, right? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to really quantify, um, I suppose, in that sense. So they're deployed for certain roles. Yeah, um, they're not deployed to go and be UN troops somewhere. Um, they're not deployed to be peacekeepers. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, they're deployed to fight wars. They're for war fighting. They're for conflict. Um, you know, and uh, how 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 long after you? Are, are trained. I mean, so when you finish this training, 
do you get deployed right away or, or do you wait and then you need to train a little bit more? Because I guess you need to keep yourself fit all the time and, oh. and sharp. And well, it's forever. It's yeah. forever. It's mm. it forever. Once once you're in, you're training all the time. So you go, you, you, I was lucky enough that we deployed straight out. Well, not deployed, but yeah, we deployed straight out to northern Norway for our, our Arctic survival course. So I finished the commando course. Had a couple of weeks in uh, in the squadron, um, learning daily life, which is training, physical training three, four times a week, um, both green and normal gym stuff. Um, and yeah, there's maintaining all of the kit. We have all sorts of machines. We have all sorts of kit that needs to be, be maintained, you know. There's always guys coming and going from courses, you know. It's a constant cycle of activity and the... And the more you're willing to do, the more you get to do. So if you've got energy, they'll give it to you. Bloody fantastic. And then there's also the sports, you know. Um, there's the boxing team. So, but uh, yeah, I got, it was almost straight away we're going to Norway. So we're preparing for Norway. That was winterizing everything, getting some more kit. And then we flew out to Norway. A bit chilly, uh, being wintertime. Uh, and there you did all your infantry stuff and commando stuff in the cold. Uh huh. So everything you could do before, you could now do at minus twenty, minus twenty-five. Wow. So they're they're putting you through just different uh, environments and circumstances. You go and do military exercises. Well, first of all, you do your survival week, which is learning uh, military skis, so telemark skiing. Um, on your on your your your, your touring skis, um, and survival. So you're staying out there, digging your Quincy shelters, living out there, um, in your snow holes. And 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 what about this kind of extreme survivals that you see some sometimes in some TV shows that you have nothing, you take care of yourself for twenty four hours or forty eight hours or a week or something. Yeah, as long as you wipe your ass, twenty four hours is no really big deal, is it? No. And it's yeah. But you learn how to. I mean, if if you would be dropped in a in a in an area like this or got lost in an area, mm-hmm. you, you you learn all those survival skills. Yep. Not drink the yellow pee and yeah, don't don't eat yellow snow yeah, and yellow you know snow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't drink your own pee the second time it comes through. I think yeah, say, it's nah. that's what <laughs> Bear Grylls says. <laughs> uh, in the only episode that I've seen of Bear Grylls, he, he said tr- never never drink the second pee. Yeah, never drink the second pee. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've never tried. I only drank the first. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I had some wanted to. So how how is it like uh, then w- you get deployed into into combat into action right so we I mean were, you've been in Afghanistan Iraq mm. so we were living the life mm. we were doing courses we were training 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 we all had bikes we all had surf wagons we we surfed we had big street barbecues we were living the life and then some silly buggers flew planes into the twin towers and overnight things changed yeah, and so um, yeah, and you knew it when you heard about it. Or did yeah, you immediately, uh-huh. Im- immediately that happened. The world changed for us. Mm. Yeah, and Same then you g- you get sent where? Oh well, uh, first trip straight out to straight out to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how 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 was that? What's the feeling when you get go there? Are you uh, excited or are you scared? Oh, first of all, you're you're excited before you deploy. You'll go out and get shit-faced, absolutely drunk off your heads because you are fucking doing it at last. You're getting to go and do it. Um, 
And remember, we hadn't really been war fighting since the Falklands. So yeah, eighty two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, so we we hadn't been doing it. So all this training was just training, training, training. We were hungry, and we're all. And I remember looking around the bus with Mo Howard with his nose burnt off from doing flaming sambucas, big blister on the end of it. Um, Gav Man with his, he'd shaved his head, but he'd missed a bit at the back, so he had a little tuft. Um, you know, and just just freaking, you know, we're all young and we're all all at the height of it, you know, and we just going for it it's like there's excitement there's absolute elation we are going to take it to the bad man mm. um so you're like what 25 there or yeah youngster oh, yeah, no. yeah about that give or take yeah but no fear oh not at all mm. <laughs> who's going to stand against us yeah <laughs> absolutely not mm. um no and and when you go go there so you go to afghanistan what which city or what what part did you well we went to um bagram uh-huh uh, and then it was again. Um, you arrive, and you're not going straight. You're not landing in a in a gunfight. In a war zone, yeah, yeah. So we we landed in Bagram, and uh, we had to switch aircraft. And there was then we got our first taste because as we were coming off one 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 aircraft, um, somebody was firing rockets um, at someone else, and so we were actually coming off one aircraft and getting ushered and ushered onto onto another one. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, it was like, fucking hell, it's real, it's on, you know, and then you're on a on a Hercules, doing a bound to get up to a, a Bagram, and there's no seats, you just sit on the floor, and uh, yeah, it's it's a slick aircraft, and it's you know, and you're like, fucking hell, you know, this this is really on now, and I'm not sure if it's fear, but it's certainly the energy's changed, you know. And when you go there, do you know what you're getting into? I mean, do you already, you know, I don't know, or, or do you land there and then they tell you, okay, so this is the situation, this is what we're here to do? Well, you've got, you get, before you go, you have some, you have, you have pre-deployment training. So you will have an element, um, we'll have a, I think, can't actually remember how long it was, um, but all the training you do leading up to that starts to change to suit the situation that, that you're going into, you're yeah. going into, yeah. Uh-huh. So that that um, it all gets all the training gets arced towards where you're going, mm-hmm. um, or what they expect you to fall into. Mm-hmm. Do you learn the terrain and the topography, or you know, you know what I mean, like or or? Well, I was still fairly junior, and so I waited to get my orders, and in an orders brief, um, a quite a set standard brief, you get the ground, you get the situation. And you get the scheme of manoeuvre, you know, what, what, how it's going to happen, how it's going to go down, you know, all the commander's intent, as we say. And um, and so you, you have all this. And so did I have an idea? had an idea of the ground in general from from pre-deployment training and stuff. And and the, the mission was, you know, the overarching mission. But specifics? Nah, fast and loose. I have to say, really, to be honest. And... So that the, the, and and does it work like this that you then go out on I don't know patrols or is mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and yeah. th- and then uh, or or did you go out and attack someone I mean how, well, how see, it it depends right mm. because um yeah, you got to think there's there's a whole lot of different stuff going on at any one time so we went up to Bagram and one of the first things you got to do is um secure where you're staying you know and you've got to make things fit to live. And so I thought I was going to be super cool when I got there and get like loads of Gucci jobs, 
and be running around shooting the Taliban. And I was digging shitters, you know, for my first day. Uh, d- yeah, digging shit pits. I was like, this sucks, man. I was like, fuck, not With again. all this training. Oh, bollocks. But it's an essential part, just like polishing the brass and basic training. Because if you don't dig your shitters, if you don't have a latrine, then people are going to get sick. And then you're not battle ready. And then you're actually going to find yourself, you know, being useless, being a burden, when that's that's not how it goes. So interspersed with those duties of building the wall um, around the base. So like a compound, or, or yeah, 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 and in interspersed with uh, interspersed with doing those those duties of building that compound, we were going out on patrols, um, and so uh, you could call them clearance patrols, not necessarily fighting patrols, but yeah, you, know, you go out on patrols to to the local areas, make friends. You know, because build want, connections. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's something we do. Brits do that better than anyone else in the world. We go out there, we hang out with the locals. You know, we um, it's called hearts and minds, and it's really, really important because that 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 will be one of your first indicators that something right or wrong. Um, and so you've got to foster these relationships because you may also find yourself in a situation where it's those locals. That's going to that save your ass if uh, something goes 100% wrong. One hundred percent of the time, mm. yeah, well, not one hundred percent, but one hundred percent correct, yeah. And, and 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 why do you think that the British do this better than others? The, the building those relationships is from the empire. We've been doing it longer, mm-hmm. and the the Brits ourselves. I know we're a bunch of islanders, but you can't go anywhere in the world without without finding somebody, one of us, or without finding somebody that's had our influence. If you can, if you consider history. And uh, and so how and how were, how were you? I mean, uh, this is uh, are you there relatively soon after the conflict or starts or or it's beginning? Uh huh. And and how did people? How did the locals that you met like? How did they? Were they happy that you were there, or or you know were they reserved? Or were they concerned? So the they seemed the locals I met. I can only say the locals I met. Um, we're on a job, so we're outside the base. We've been walking for days and days and days, patrolling. I'll call it patrolling, yeah. Or walking, because as a civilian civilian aspect. Now, um, walking for days and days, all our kit, um, looking for these caves where the bad guys are hiding. And we find a load of caves. But we're really trying to localise these caves. We, we're sure they're in this area. We're looking for them. And so we go and chat to the locals, you know. Have you seen anything strange? Oh, where are the caves, lads? Mm. See anything strange? Where's Taliban? Mm. Over there. Thanks. Where are the caves? Over there. Mm. Cheers. Mm. Yeah. Why not? Ask the question. Mm. It's not like you're going to hide who you are, is it? You know. And they. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, hey, everybody. I'm just from the other village. No, you're you're a squaddy. You know. So um, we got to one village and uh, we were knackered. We were shattered. We were absolutely shattered. We've been out there for a few weeks now, and. uh, you know, we'd, I think we'd missed one resupply, so we're running quite short on our food and, and water, and we're, we're knackered, mate. And uh, the locals came out. We met them under the village tree, and they brought out tea and bread and stuff, and it was mega. You know, and they fed us, and then he said, look, I'll tell you where the caves are, because we don't want our kids running in there and tripping the booby traps and getting themselves blown up. You know, they're over there, lads. So then we went off and cleared the caves of the bad guys and blew them up. And it was one of the biggest explosions uh since World War Two, yeah, at that time, yeah. But 
how how <clears throat> I guess did the compound ever get attacked? I mean, have you have you been in yeah. that situation yeah. where you're Yeah. How does that feel? Depends a bit shit really. Um um How does it feel? I don't really think about it. Grab your gear, chuck it on, grab a rifle, um, switch your radio on, and uh, somebody starts coordinating fire and movement. And that's it. At the end of the day, I'm in a compound, not got anywhere to run. Got ammunition, weapons, fire control. Um, yeah. And uh, but uh, is it easy to keep a cool head? And, and you know, because you know, like uh, I don't know, like if you, if you drive a car, you can have a extensive training and, and experience of driving a car. But then when you drive a car in an extreme, or you end up in an extreme situation, it's it's often that you kind of you don't go. By the book, you know, or you you have have some sort of a natural response. Is that I mean, I guess that's part of the military training mm-hmm. that you. Yeah, when you drive a car, you're not trained for extreme situations, are you? Um, an example is um, you're you're from Iceland. You're you're trained to drive the car in snow and ice, so that is actually an extreme situation for everyone else around you. Um, when somebody starts shooting or rockets start landing in your compound, um. You grab your gear, it's instinctual, um, switch on, everybody dials in. And you've already got preset what we call actions on. You already know where you're running to to take up position. You've already got roles ready. Because you don't just sit in there having a, yeah, yeah. having a chillsville. You're prepared for them to come. Mm. And you expect them to come. Yeah. Mm. And so it's, it's not a surprise, is it? It's a surprise for them to fall into a weight of fire that's organized we have an organized response, you know. I know uh, I'm making faces at you here as if to say, what the fuck, why, yeah, it's a bit obvious. Of course we would. We're, we're British, uh, <laughs> you know. And uh, when you're a youngster, um, you're doing as you're told. You do as you're told. And because of the way you're disciplined on the way up, you're actually more frightened of fucking it up and fucking it up for the man stood next to you, your mate, than than you are of getting hurt. Mm. Because you can also, I, I guess that you take confidence in that if you get hurt, someone is going to take care of you. Yeah. And someone is going to cover your back. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, yeah. it sounds a bit cheesy to say it's for the, for the bloke next year, but you know what? It, re- it is though, because nobody's there alone. You're all there. And it's, it's, I've been in several compounds over the years where we've been, we've been attacked. And uh, when 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 they come for you, you're looking left and right, and you, you sometimes you're grinning, sometimes you're not. It's dirty, it's smoky, it's stinky, um, and you're just looking around yourselves, and you're nodding at each other, you know. Yeah, I guess there is a specific bond that's created amongst the men that are, or or the people who are together in these circumstances, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you're. Uh, what about injuries and, and, and these kind of things? I mean, like, um, have you had any, have you had some combat injury or, or, or I don't know, some shrapnel or something? Or, mm. or um, I suppose um, you, would, you would just call it, yeah, it's of course fucking combat injury, but um, yeah, I got IED in a truck mm. and it uh, com- compressed my lower spine. Uh-huh. Uh, so it hurts a little bit now and again. Um, it's uncomfortable. I'm not. Look, I I really don't even. That's talk. that's when you drive over some sort of that's a mine. Yeah, or, or an improvised explosive device went off as we were bombing down the road in an armored car, 
and it, um, it went off under the car, yeah. So it give, give, us, give my spine a bit of a jarring. Um, but you know what? I, the reason I don't, I don't rate it is because I've got 10 fingers, 10 toes. I'm still hitting the gym. I'm still hanging out with my kids. Um, but your knees are fucked. Oh, my knees are fucked from running around like a silly bugger with backpacks on. Mm. Still weigh a ton. Um, you know, that's just, they've worn out mm. from the miles. And you were never, I mean, like in this situation, when 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 a, a bomb goes off under the car that you're driving in, um, I guess, do you do you black out somehow? Or? Well, I, I did another uh, another instance. Yeah, I um, we, we caught one up in in northern Iraq that um knocked me out. Um, yeah. And when you but when you wake up, are you like checking? Do I have my legs? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Woke up, your mates patting you down, looking for a big bleeder. Uh-huh. Um, your eyes open. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And you get back on the gun. Mm-hmm. And when you when you have these these uh, um, situations, and you come back, let's say, um, uh, when you're off duty, or or you know, the 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 patrol or the mission ends. Do you get some? Is there a therapist that you meet, or is there some <laughs> you know trauma relief, or you know? Uh, <coughs> my mates are my therapists, really. Um, back when when I went through, there wasn't much of it. It was coming in towards it was coming in towards the end of my time um, because they we were we weren't used to, I suppose, the weight of trauma. The because we'd had a we lived through the great peace, and now we were seeing. Lots and lots of people getting hurt. Um, however, that didn't really come in until I was a contractor, and there was no help for contractors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You went yeah, out, then you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. You went out there, you rolled the dice, and if you came home a little bit left to center, you tough. You you took the money, mm-hmm. you know. But the, what about casualties? Like on 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 both sides, both with with the enemy or 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 the ones that are in the line of fire on the other side and, and then amongst you. I mean, how how is it to go through that? I mean, how how do you process that? Hmm. I don't actually know um, how. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think there's a formula. We all have our own coping mechanisms. Um, I think um, you find mates to talk to. Um, keeps you awake sometimes. Um on others, I. What really helped me was when I I got to volunteering in the hospitals. And changing changing the direction I was on, um, but really, how do you cope with it? I don't know. When when it happens, you just you just get on with it, you know. Dig in, get on with it, square it away. Um, and then later on, if it comes back to you, um, yeah. I, I I won't lie. There there were there have they're having periods of drinking. Um, I'm British. There's always periods of drinking. Yeah. More so, I'm Scottish. Scottish <laughs> yeah. There's always periods of drinking. Mm. Um, however, you know, re- reflection now as I get older comes in the form of friends who've also walked the same path or similar paths, or or even reflection comes in having really good friends who know nothing of my world and talking about things that are completely not of my world. Good friends like like Jeff, you know. Um, 
hanging out with him is just refreshing because we're so different. And he's such a gent, you know. That's another... That's how I cope. And I suppose it's my... um. In truth, this, well, actually, I was on a bit of a spiral when I met my Evie, my 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 wife, and she just switched all the lights on. It was like everything was color again. If you think of the Rolling Stones and painted black, well, that felt like the hole I was in. Mm. When I met my Evie, you know, the colors came back to me. Because I can, I mean, I, I can imagine I have never been through anything even remotely close to wh- what you have done. And I know we are we are just scratching the surface here because, you know, we don't have 15 hours or 52 hours or whatever. Um, but it's just very easy to to see how stepping out of this world is probably harder than staying in it at some point. Because... Mm. In some way, this just getting on with it and get, just keep going is is often the best coping mechanism because you you never really give yourself the time to reflect and there is no nothing else. Um, well, they they call it um, being biased to forward movement, isn't it? Um, and I'm still a bit of a decision maker in that in those terms. Even in, in the civilian world, I will always favour a decision to to keep moving forward. Um, got a bit getting out, or 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 hanging up, getting out of the game completely, and and studying, and and trying to trying to square away what I would call a day job, um, and be that nine to five person. It is hard. It's hard because um, you're not taught how to do that. You you you're really good at loads of other stuff. You know, you, you're really good at um, making sure you're on time, smart, clean, tidy. You're really good at um, planning if, if something goes wrong. You're really good at so many things that people don't see as transferable skills because they don't know what box to put you in. And so they make it really – so you, again, it's like me being back in school. You don't actually believe you have a niche out here. And because you don't believe you have a niche out here – you feel a little bit like the black sheep or the ginger stepchild. And when people find out who you are um, or they look at your CV and see commando or Green Beret or, or military service, they're actually more afraid of it than think of it as an asset mm. because, oh, everybody's got PTSD. They're going to just get a gun and kill everyone in the office. <laughs> in the office. Like that, fuck's sake, you know, the, the, you know, more, oh, piss off. Yeah. You know, and you're like, really? Or are you just? Do you even f- have a gun? Um, what with me now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind though, but loads, yeah, loads everywhere. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a straight answer, is it? No, uh, good. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, but talking a little bit more about this, um, so, um, it's been a lot in 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 um. I mean, these these two wars, if we take um, Iraq and Afghanistan, are not like traditional wars like we know in history. They are maybe more like uh, the Vietnam War than they are like the Second World War, the First World War, where you had like 
conscious political decision of two nations to fight with their militaries. Mm -hmm. So in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, you're more fighting with some fragmented groups of... of That's guerrilla warfare, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's guerrilla really? warfare, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I mean, Afghanistan have... I don't think they ever had peace, and they, I'm not sure they will ever have peace. Um, It's a shame. Mm -hmm. You know, um... Just recently, um, the way the the way the Americans pulled out and, and left a government that that we're all trying to build with their ass in their hands, you know, while the Taliban are starting to roll up the country again. Mm. That's a fucking shame. I mean, I guess for guys like you that have been there, blood, sweat, and tears. You've seen your friends die. You've seen them go injured. You've seen you know civilians die and enemies die. And and no death is nice, you know. But it's a it's a price of war. If you've done all this sacrifice and then you pull out, does it make you I don't know the word disillusioned somehow? So I didn't really think about it with Iraq because I've been back to Iraq a lot because mm -hmm. um, I've taken part in some of the reconstruction, um, medical support, and I've been quite active in that. And um, so I'm seeing the country develop and grow. And you were there just uh, a few weeks back, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I've seen the country develop and grow, which is sadly start feels like starting to swing the other way again. But hey ho, we'll we'll see. And they had a really bad time with ISIS in Iraq, and so they've really welcomed the Western approach back again after they they seen off ISIS with a little bit of help. Um, I think um. With Afghanistan, because I haven't been back and seen any transition at all myself. I haven't really gone back there. Um, just hearing and seeing the, the media and how the Americans pulled out very sharply because populism and politics, I suppose. Um, it's, I was pissed off. I was really fucking pissed off because it was dangerous. And it was shit, and people got hurt. You know, I, I think of a couple of my friends who are still alive with uh, bits missing, you know, and uh, you're just like, <sighs> however, the, the actions we did, what we did when we were asked to do, we did, we fulfilled our tasks under our orders. Um, with thought and we were mindful and we did good jobs, you know. We gave them the best chance we could. Um, it isn't my job or, or wasn't my job to say 20 years later, well, we were right then and we're wrong now. We could have been wrong then and we're right now. So I suppose for me to get morose about it or angry about it and get pissy about it, well, that's also not my place. mm End of the day, I, I was I was asked to do a job, fulfill a role. Um, I got to fulfill that role with a bloody amazing bunch of guys. Um, and you know what? If if I was asked to do it again, back then, I probably would wouldn't change. Probably wouldn't change a thing. Mm. You know. But uh, <laughs> you you go into. Um into this and and uh, feeling it was your way from being the black sheep mm -hmm. 
And you come out of this and you feel like a black sheep. Absolutely, yeah. Ginger stepchild. Yeah. Never going to change. Ah, people don't like you. And I'm talking about Joe Bloggs. Um, I remember coming back from Iraq to North Devon and there was a little protest and the, the roundabout in the town center. They were all baby killers and shit. Like just a bunch of students don't know a thing about life or war. And uh, they're protesting it. Fuck, go fuck yourself. Just, you know, you know what? I know, I know I've used profanity probably quite a lot in this podcast, but you know what? You don't actually have the right to protest. You do, but you don't. I don't feel you... Yeah, you have the right to protest. You have your rights and your freedoms because that is what being civilized means. So you know what? I don't like being the ginger stepchild in your point of view if you're that sniveling student who's had everything handed, handed to, to him on a plate, mm. especially your freedoms, mm. that better people than you have earned and better people than me before me have earned them. Mm. Um, so you know what? Then, yeah, I will graciously be the ginger stepchild, you know, so you can go on there and... But it it it, it is a, it's a fact that uh, we we live in a world today where we are very very happy to enjoy the the results of what people like you do, but we just don't want to see it, mm. and uh, and we want to be able to criticize it when it suits us. And uh, I mean, I I I, I um, you know I'm, I I I th- I think that is the 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 thing, and 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 behind war or or military action is politics it's not like a guy like you just decides to take charter a plane from devon and fly into iraq and start something you are there on <laughs> on drones you, yeah you're there you're there on orders from the people that that the students uh that were protesting um voted and will continue to vote well, see they're not protesting against the war really they're protesting against a political decision um i think that as long as soldiers are deployed from uh, a civilized country with due process, um, then we can only hope that that due process is robust enough to not deploy young men and women into harm's way on a whim. You know, there there is that the UK is one one of the oldest parliaments. Um, it has its decision making process, and. Uh, I am proud of I'm proud of my actions, both physical and moral, and um, proud to sue to my mates. Mm. But um, do the politics matter to you? Like like when you when you're there, when you're when you're there fighting, um, do you think of of do you think of the end goal, or do you have to break no, it down? Ab- to absolutely, this yeah. When I when I'm there mm. and the food is shit and I'm tired and somebody's lobbing grenades over the wall, the first thing I think is, I'm not going to vote conservative next year. <laughs> Shut up, mate. You're talking crap. Of course I don't think about fucking politics. No, no, no. But do you know what I mean? Like, do you, are you looking at the big picture? Um, or are you are you just thinking, okay, now I'm just going to make sure that I survive or I'm just going to make sure that we capture that hill or whatever, you so know? There's, so there's, there's, there's short, medium, and long-term mm. thought, isn't there? Mm. Um, the bigger picture is, is when I get back to my family, I'm going to keep my family together. I've been away six, seven months. You know, 
I'm going to go back to the family and pay my electric bill, get the car serviced, paint the wall. Be normal. Know, do because all of those things still need done, mm. right? That I don't I don't have somebody doing all that stuff for me when I'm away. So when you're when you're away, you still got to come home and fix a leaky sink, you know, and you want to look through all your kids' homeworks, and you got to paint the walls, clean the carpet, fix the car, change the tires. All of that still needs done because effectively life doesn't stand still. So that's your bigger picture. Getting home safely. Yeah, that's your bubble. Mm. It's, it's getting home safely and then looking after that bubble. Once you look after that bubble, you worry about the rest. But if you think any more beyond that, then you've got far too much time on your hands. You could go and clean something or get a shit job off someone. <laughs> yeah. So you're not thinking too much about the the political agenda or 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 the uh, you're you're more internalizing it on or focusing on your task at hand and then getting out of there safely. I, c- I can answer that with a question for you. Um it doesn't matter what I think. Mm. I can't ask why. Mm-hmm. Can I? I've got a role. If I don't do my role and there's a gap. And if there's a gap, the guys around me have got to fill it. Or someone gets hurt. There you go. So, you know, if you've signed on to it, fulfill it to 200%. That's it. If you don't like it when you get home, sign off. Leave. Um, Yeah, it's a bit stark, but yeah, we'd all like to be thoughtful. But moments of reflection, there aren't many there and then. No, and I think I think that... that uh um the, the the world that we live in today was not created with peace it was created with war and we then got to live the peace um so far and uh, i guess it wouldn't work out if you were i don't know like uh, 50 guys in the compound and all of you have a t- have a how do you say an independent thought about how to do and what to do and mm-hmm. what, what different morals and different things well we're all, we're all allowed independent thought yeah and, of course but you you can't stray from the mm. no that's right and if 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 you get given an order that you feel is illegitimate you don't follow it mm. you know oh you do oh, so that's you how do not know if uh-huh. there's an order that you deem to be immoral or illegitimate you don't do it and what happens then well there'll be a a consequence i've never seen it mm-hmm. um because nobody that's ever told me to do anything has told me to do anything i i i thought to be um unjust however you know if if that came across then there would be a, a reshuffle let's say because if you're thinking it the guy next to you is probably thinking it i suppose but this is this is complete conjecture i don't know yeah, yeah, i yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. Yeah, we're ne- talking hypothetical yeah, yeah. yeah never never happened with the guys i was with we all um we're all on the same page mm. um but when 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 people say baby killers i want to so well, the, the babies are little people yeah. that don't really talk or walk yet yeah. i don't know yeah. no but when 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 that is uh, you know, or or civilian uh casualties let's say um like i guess that in in military training your last resort is to shoot right i mean you you should use whatever i'm not a cop mate my first resort is to shoot you okay um if you're going to shoot me and shoot you i'm not going to say hey stop am i no, 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 but, <laughs> Sorry. but an, an, unarmed, an unarmed person. An unarmed person? Yeah. Um, it completely depends where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, just because you can't see that they're armed doesn't mean they're unarmed in some cases. Um, and you'll have you'll have lines drawn. We we have different rules of engagements for different places. 
and different jobs. And that those are given, those instructions are Th- given those for are, each. Those are given and agreed. Yeah. Um, and we we try and follow them as best we can to the mm. situational letter. Mm. Um, but um, how is it like, I, I have a feeling, yeah, and it's only a feeling because I have no experience with it, but I have a feeling that in, in both in Iraq and, uh, and in Afghanistan, um, uh, the, the difference between a civilian and a, and an enemy isn't always very clear that because you're not fighting an organized military as you're such. right they're not wearing uniforms you're right um and sometimes a guy as a civilian one minute can pick up a rifle from the floor from his body that just hit the bricks and then you're gonna you're gonna shoot him too then you're gonna shoot the next one till they learn their lesson mm-hmm. and uh and there is no like a like uh, a situation where you, I don't know, like where where you thought that you would die. There hasn't been. Oh yeah, <laughs> God yeah, oh uh, yeah. Two week, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. What happened? I ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then that's was in Iraq. Yeah. Can you elaborate or? Um. <sighs> Yeah, I just ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time, and uh, and it very, very because of the politically charged situation at the time with um, what happened on the the borders with the UN drone strikes. Uh, let's call it a, a protest went on, a bit of flag burning, and I just happened to be stuck in a traffic jam surrounded by people that didn't like Westerners. And how did you get out? I sat there and waited not to be seen, uh, but just panting down in the car. Yes, sitting there, waiting. Uh-huh. And they didn't see me. Uh-huh. And but but is it like that? I mean, if you go to Baghdad now, is you you need to be conscious. You need to be mm-hmm. careful. Yeah, you do need to be careful, especially when you're a pasty white Scotsman. You know, yeah. I kind of stand out. You know, mm. <laughs> I don't blend in. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I felt the same. I felt I felt I I ended up in the wrong neighborhood in Tanzania once, and and I. But for they oh, just saw a monetary yeah. value in me. They didn't see any mm-hmm. <laughs> military or strategic value. It was yeah. just they knew that I had a hundred dollars in my pocket, you know. And and I, I was I was a bit scared back then. But uh, but what about like um, um, uh, I was going to ask you about that with like so when you when you are in circumstances like this or environments where you're always alerted somehow. Like you, I guess you need to be alert. You need to be on the watch for everything, right? Um, it's not for everything, and this is this is what time and experience will tell you. Mm. You cannot. It's, it's bullshit if you get somebody in a in a, a genuinely peaceful area like Prague going around checking hotel suites. That's just bullshit. Yeah. You know, if if the individual's doing that, then they don't know where their ass or their head mm. is. I have a friend who does I, that, uh, but yeah, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. You know um, and he's well, been in the same places like you. Yeah, so you know, maybe he's shot to bits and I'm just hanging on to my sanity. Yeah. But there's an extant threat, mm. you know, and you just do a role in risk assessment of where you are at any given time. Um and sometimes, you know, you catch everything and you continue to test and adjust to not put yourself in those situations. Or sometimes something gets by you and you find yourself um, you know, misplaced find yourself in a situation that then you're rather than being the actor 
you're the reactor. And um, if you do your risk assessments right and you keep yourself aware, you know, then you, you continue to be the actor. Once you become the reactor, you've got to change the math as quickly as you can uh, till you're back in the driving seat. Uh, yeah, because you don't have the control of the situation if you're reacting or, you know, you need yeah. to gain that control. Well, it's, uh, I wouldn't use the word control at all. You just, you, you need to have the impetus. Mm. Um, you need to be the, 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 the person leading the, um, the events rather than being led by the event. But uh, so there's nothing like where you, I don't know, I mean, are your clothes perfectly folded in your closet? Absolutely not. I've got two kids. And, <laughs> and, and you have you cleaned the dust on the door? No, I do not. I have a cleaner. So you, don't, so you yeah. ta- don't take any of those with you um, I think into like civilian life? Some people do. I think what I've taken with me is um, it's just genuine discipline and standards. So my... My standards drive. It's drive. It's, uh, I don't know if it was there before I got into the military or it came to me during or maybe came to me later. But the drive to keep to keep developing self-betterment um, and also to broaden the horizon. Do, do not be that guy like, <laughs> like, like your mate who's checking hotel room exits every 15 minutes or whatever in case cases a black hole behind them or something i don't know um you know widen your perspective reflect um yeah um the discipline to i know discipline that's Mm. what i carry with me Mm. um but um (coughs) and i'm a ninja no (laughs) (laughs) and then you say 1300 hours well yeah and 1600 hours like a sailor well because there's like 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I say to you, three o'clock, well, mm. this is Prague. Which one? There's two three o'clock yeah, in yeah. Prague. You yeah. know, and if you if you drink around the clock here, it mm. could be meeting you for a beer at three anyway, right? Yeah. There's two five and six o'clocks, mm. definitely. Um, you know, that, there's militarisms, of course, you know, uh, that you carry with you. Um, but you should be proud of them too, you know, and um, yeah, absolutely. But... Uh, and then yeah yeah you 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 kind of transitioned you went into into contracting or where you go I mean my my in my previous life I had a company we had customers in Iraq and in Afghanistan uh, the central banks mm-hmm. and um, so we were sending people there and then we hired contractors or people security mm-hmm. people to to go with them so I guess you were doing these kind of um yeah for projects. about 6 years uh-huh and that's then you already had moved here to Prague, or or uh, well, I started that, and then I moved to Prague about midway through that. Uh huh. Um, yeah. And how come you came here? Well, my mate Jimmy. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Um. I left. I split up with my wife in the UK. Um. My mate invited me over here, and I stayed. It's awesome. Yeah, you yeah. loved it from the start. Oh, absolutely. This yeah. is like two thousand and eight, nine. Something. Can't remember. Mm. Yeah, offhand, can't remember. Mm. And, uh, but then you were kind of slinging in and out. You you were going, mm-hmm. and you still are. I mean, you still occasionally go on. Very occasionally I go away now. And mm. I certainly don't do any jobs like that anymore. Last week was an anomaly. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And is it, 
how how is it in this? Is is the money good? I mean, just in general, like from the from the military and and being a commando Green Beret. I mean, is the is the pay okay or or? No, I pay shit really. Yeah, but then again, you don't spend a lot, I guess. No, you don't. <laughs> you, uh, but you know, do I say the the pay shit, but the benefits are good? Let's just say that. Uh, but when you get out, the pay and you take those kind of jobs, the pay is very very good. Um, but there are no benefits. You're on your own. You get hurt, you come home, you're on your own. Um, yeah, there's on in the field. If things go bad for you, it's you and your team. There's no support coming. You're not going to call in the Apaches and you know, and uh, there's, there's nobody coming to help you, you know. And so to that end, that's like risk versus reward, you know. But there, I guess, when you're contracting and you you I don't know you assemble a team to do something, I don't know, to protect I don't know, maybe a contractor or some something that is happening. Someone is building mm-hmm. something or something mm-hmm. like that and he needs private security. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's different rules of engagement or different rules apply, I guess. Or Yeah, they do. And um, in early on in, in Iraq, we, we were under um, rules of engagement a lot like the military because we were a private military contractor. Um, but later, after the the status of armed forces agreement ended, then we no longer had the rights. We no longer had, let's face it, immunity. We now had to answer to the Iraqi government for anything we did. And then it became really dangerous. Um, it became really dangerous because more people took chances against yeah, us. Yeah, because they knew it. They knew the vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. yeah and to be honest, um, shooting back then meant you would you could end up in an Iraqi jail for the rest of your life. Um, so the bad guys got braver. Well, let's say um, the perceived bad guys got br- braver, and the perceived good guys um, who didn't want to be, you know, go to jail for murder, um, got themselves in difficult situations. Um, but then you have you've transitioned into kind of more uh, a training role, and 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 as you said, this advanced medical. Mm-hmm. Support or am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I completely re-educated as a paramedic. Um, I'm working my way through medical academia. Um, just completed my master's degree in emergency medicine. Um, I'm hoping to go after a PhD. Um, or if not a PhD, I'm a, a definitely a doctorate in a public health or something like this. Um, and I I do teach and drive change in global standards for austere medicine and trauma care, disaster medicine, and uh, needless tactical medicine also. So um, I'm heavily involved in all of that. Um, uh, And it's a good place to be. It's a good job to have. I found a niche that fulfilled my need for constantly driving forward. But now it's academic, not physical. and also, I'm still useful. Yeah, and you're still around action somehow. Yeah, and in a way, you can say that. Yeah, it's still around action. And you're still being useful um, because what you do affects a very vulnerable population. People who are hurt in trauma or in an emergency, uh, it's an, emergen- an emergency patient is a patient at their most vulnerable. And being able to either help them or have trained somebody to help them then you're actually affecting something. You're still useful, and being useful as a former as a former commando 
or still a commando, always will be. Being useful is important. You know, um, we all like to be useful. But are you an adrenaline junkie somehow? Nah, it's all used up. Yeah, totally. You finished all the shit out. But you still drive the motorbike at 160 and. No, I don't. Who said that? Uh, yeah. yeah, I heard well, it. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Yeah, um, by accident. Just, just on occasion. Um, yeah, but yeah, now and again, now and again, I'll pin the throttle on an open road, you know, far away from any cities or any speed cameras, you know. Um, but that's not for adrenaline. That's just for the beauty of it. Um, an engine. An engine must be let go. Dog's got to get off that leash, yeah. you know. Um, take it to its limit just once or twice on occasion. But it still uh, still must be like you know you 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 you've spent better part of your adult life. You've spent what twenty five years, give or take, in in this field. Let's say yeah 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 field of military emergency and and and, yeah. and situations. It it must be difficult to step out of it there's a there's a great poem uh can't remember all the lines uh in my sins but it's a commando poem uh written about the commandos uh of of the world war Two, and uh one of the lines says and these men have returned to their peaceful fields to their quiet lives um these quiet peaceful men you know uh and i suppose that's where i am i'm re- Quiet, peaceful, would be not there yet. If any of my mates hear this, they'll be like, ah, "Shut up, hell!" Um, but it's the the romantic in me that made me want to do the soldiering and save the world, I suppose. And and the childish views I had then um, is the same romanticism that makes me now want to live that life of peaceful usefulness. Bring up my kids, rebuild relationships with others that that I haven't done so well at. Mm. And uh, yeah. And how how? What's fascinating about wars? I mean, what what? what and you and you you just said now, um, childish views that you had. What, what did it? What's I don't know. Was it different than you? Uh, was the reality different than what you expected? Yeah, because be? somebody still had to dig shitters as well yeah. as go and patrol. Somebody yeah. still had to build a fence and go and patrol. Mm. You know, you still had to. <sighs> The movies, it's it's that romance, isn't it? You, you're young, you're immature, you get sold something. It is sold to you, and you buy it, and you eat it up. And when during training, it's sold to you, and you eat it up, and you eat it up. And then when it happens, it's 90% buggering about, and then 10% of, what, fuck. You know, it just goes by in an instant. And then when it's over... You're like that, fucking hell, and you're looking around and you're all all still there and you got the smell of cordite in your nostrils, you know? And the, you're refilling your magazines and you're checking no one's hurt and, yeah, you're prepping again for the next one. I don't know if the... That wasn't the draw. I didn't join the army to go fight in a war. Um, I joined the army for a roof over my head Three meals three a day meals, yeah. and a driving license, because mm. I thought that was my way out. Mm. Um, and then it uh, came with some extras. Then, oh, Her Majesty the Queen gave me an absolute fantastic skill set, mm. discipline. Um, 
an appetite for learning, a route mm. to learning. Mm. Physical strength, mental strength. Mental mm. robustness, yeah. Mm. Um, and they just piled it on. Fire hydrant therapy, you know. You stand in front of a hydrant and you get wet. So some of it stuck. Not all of it, but some of it, you know. Uh, and the opportunities, yeah. Um, no regrets? None. Mm. None. Can't can't have any. Can't really because I'm still using the tools today that they gave me. And so it'd be disingenuous of me to say, Oh, the army was shit because uh it fucked this up for me, it fucked that up for me. No, the army didn't fuck anything up. Anything mm. I fucked up I, I hold you the responsibility for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I fucked up a marriage. Mm. Um, you know. Um however, that was me, not the army. The army didn't do that. Mm. You know. Anybody that can't take responsibility for their actions, you know, go boil your head. Mm. But uh, how do how does society treat veterans? You know, people that have. <laughs> I don't how, know. how well does the Her Majesty do for them? Um, they do much better now. Um, I, again, I've been here ten years, well, a bit more than ten years, so I don't, I couldn't really tell you. But from from some good mates, they have support mechanisms in place, and they really do try. Um, pensions, yeah, we've got pension. Might have spent it, but we got a pension. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you you get your pension. You do twelve years, you get half pension at sixty five. You do uh, do twenty two years, you get a full pension when you get out. You get a lump sum. You get reeducated. You know, there's programs of reeducation. Um, yeah, but do you um, can they call you back? Do you know what I mean? If, if yeah, if there's an element of res- res- being a reservist there. Uh-huh. Uh, not reservist. Uh, I was on the list. Um, there's a certain amount of time, can't remember it, that when you leave, you get given um, an instruction mm. um, and you get a choice whether you're going to sign on to be on standby to go back in if should the queen need you yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, or not. And uh, I signed on to that. And then after a while, it, it expired because of my time from being in. Because I'd be no longer current, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you're not doing the yeah. active training and all the equipment so, that are using. Yeah, and things change. So yeah. you're no longer current, and so no. you, you would no longer better ske- step back into any any useful role without a period of retraining. So if there was a global war, uh, mm-hmm. fought with uh, n- not with nuclear bombs that would annihilate everything, me and you would be called out at the same time. Called out. Uh, to to fight, we would have to go fight at the same time. Yeah, we'd we'd be basically they'd be like, right, you two, yeah. sc- scruffy buggers, put your motorbikes away, and uh, you know, here's a rifle. Yeah, so you're not at the, at the like I don't know the third reserve or something like that. I have no idea. No, but should there be should my name be on a list somewhere? Um, I would probably be like, ah, uh, yeah. What's how much are you gonna pay me? Yeah. <laughs> but how how is the relationship with your mom? Ah. Uh, don't see her much. Don't speak too much, really. Um, Are you angry at her? Or? Uh, I wouldn't say angry. There was a time. Um, look, she did the best she could with what she had. Mm. But her... Um, yeah, she did the best she could with what she had. Most of her... I felt that most of her care was, her care of me was more reflective of her care of herself. Mm-hmm. She, she couldn't do better. She couldn't do better for me. Mm. Uh, oh, no, she could have done better for me, but she did a little bit better for herself. 
mm-hmm. and a little less better for me. Mm-hmm. She made very poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, she made decisions that were centered maybe around her well-being versus mine mm-hmm. a couple of times during my childhood. And that, well, hey, I'm I'm here. So oh. for the good or the bad of it. Um, it so sent you in t- onto this journey where you yeah, are. Yeah, you're on a path, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I speak to her. Mm. You know, um, she, she has sort of um, apologized in a way for for the cock-ups that she realizes now she's reflected too. However, I don't feel a need to go rush into mommy's arms and then and then have this great big loving relationship because I don't feel anything. Mm. Yeah, not a sausage. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, if it wouldn't have been this career, what would have been? Well. What would have Al would have done if it wouldn't have been this? Absolutely no doubt. Jail cell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, my attitude to but that, that's th- also a roof over your head and three meals a day. You know what? Actually, now it's probably a lot better than a lot of the guys trying to freaking stack shelves in the local yeah. supermarket. You know, um, so but you're right. Yeah, uh, no, back then my attitude to authority, my behaviour, mm. my rebellion, rebelliousness. Um, five nine commando was a perfect home for me. Why is it called five nine? Because that's the name of the squadron, number mm. fifty nine. Mm-hmm. So. We say five nine. Um, that they just, yeah, I was naughty then too. Mm. But they found a what? They they fa- they, 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 yeah, could, they could put it into good use. They had things to do with me yeah. <laughs> for uh, behaving that uh, way. Um, however, if I'd uh, behaved that way out in the real world or the world, mm. um, I'd have no doubt ended up in a spiral of 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 naughtiness mm. and ended up in Nick. Mm. One 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 last thing I'm curious about, like how because I guess when you are physically fit, you're mentally strong, um, and you have gone through a lot of these kind of things. Um, is it difficult to respect someone who is crying because their cafe latte is a little bit too cold? Um, respect's the wrong word. If, you know what? I I'm trying to I try and catch myself. No, no, don't. No, I no, want, I mean I not not for the podcast for. For life. So, yeah, because I'm a grown-up, right? Mm. If you're whinging because your cafe latte is too cold, mm. then your life is really fucking good. Mm. Jolly well done, mm. you prick. Mm. Okay? Well done. But I do it. If I, but if I go to a nice restaurant and pay for something and it doesn't come out right, I send it back. If service is rubbish, I have a, I stand up, go over to them, and I, I tell them, sort, sort your shit out, please, because you know what? I'm paying for it. And so if somebody's paid... I don't and know how much a cafe ten, latte. Ten, ten, ten pounds or if five somebody's pounds. If no. somebody's paid a fiver for a cup of coffee and it doesn't come out as they, they're supposed to have it, then mm. they're allowed to whinge. Mm. So it's not about the coffee. It's not about being a prissy toff. It's actually about getting what you pay for. Mm. And if more people whinged about not getting what they pay for... It would be better. Then maybe people would, you know, actually... So we meet, need more whingers. I wouldn't say need more. Oh, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, let's have more whingers yeah. um, because we've got more of everything else right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to yeah. imp- save the world from bad lattes, more whingers. Um, okay, uh, I think we're good. I mean, I, I obviously I could talk to you a lot longer because, and I know, I mean, I, I, um, I wanted to ask you some things, but we also agreed to keep certain things, um, what do you say, 
out of context or not to go into yeah, some yeah, details. There are other people's interest in here as well. And uh, I guess in your case, I'm not going to tell people where to follow you on social media or anything you like that. You probably won't find me. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 but um, are you looking for do you, do you want people that are listening to this um, to follow you? No, you know what? Um, there's there's nothing really to follow. Um, but is there any web page, any charity, anything? Um, you know what? If uh, if this has sparked any interest or anything like that, um, really care for your care for your retired military, um, and uh, give a veteran a chance as long as they're sober. Now, give a veteran a chance and, uh, you know, don't take them at face value. Um, some of them have got really good attributes that they can really, really use in your workplace, your workforce. You know, they might not be able to write it on a CV or they may not be able to... Articulate it? Yeah, articulate it because it to them it's the normal. Mm. But good leadership skills are out there, good management skills and good discipline exists. So mm. if anything, give a veteran a chance. Um and they won't let you down. That sounds uh, good. Sounds really good. Uh, guys, uh, follow the show on Facebook, The Bunker, How the Hell Did We End Up Here, Instagram, Bunker Prague, I think it's called, and uh, YouTube also, The Bunker, How the Hell Did We End Up Here. Uh, amazing still photos of me and my guests that you can uh, do whatever naughty stuff you want to do to for two hours or more. And uh, yeah, follow that channel uh, and subscribe and, and whatever because it looks really shitty now. I <laughs> just have 174 subscribers and counting. I need more. Um, thanks to the sponsors and Al, thanks for coming. Yeah, oh, brilliant, mate. You came Thank in you. in a car. Mm-hmm. Is there a machine gun in the car? Probably not. It's, I mean, there's always a chance, right? Yeah, yeah. It is a Land Rover. So yeah. uh, <laughs> the proper British <laughs> commando car. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Okay, have a nice evening. Thanks. Thanks, Mike.